by this time I had written uh, a very long script. Came to the reality I was gonna have to cut this into three pieces. The Force is the core of Star Wars. And you have to be careful when you answer too many questions about it. And concept design, I think, is so critical. I mean, it's something that perhaps is underappreciated because it sets the template, it sets the aspirational goal for what the movie should be. Awesome. Welcome back, listeners, to uh, episode 12 of The Forces Behind Star Wars. I'm uh, Ken Bishop, one of the, the trios that brings this podcast out in, into the galaxy. I'm here with the amazing Anthony God and the delightful Demetrius Romano. So we have for your listening and viewing pleasure, two special guests with us tonight. So Anthony, if you'd be kind enough to, to start off our introductions, please. All right, uh, I'm Anthony God. We got Demetrius Romanos. Uh, and we also have today, Harry Jackson. Harry Jackson is a Star Wars fan who has dabbled a little bit, a little bit in Star Trek. He did his own podcast, uh, which is a Star Wars fan, I guess, going into the world of Star Trek. And Harry, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that podcast and how you how you felt watching Star Trek? You nailed it, Anthony. I, before I get any uh, hate letters, I, I started in the Star Wars universe first. I, I'm one of one of you guys first, and then I dabbled into the Star Trek. But uh, the podcast is called Hailing Frequencies, and the whole gist of it is I uh, am going through Star Trek for the first time, and I bring people on who have seen it. They're Star Trek experts, and they guide me through the universe. And we we are doing an episode by episode recap of uh, the Next Generation. And I was told to start with TNG because the original series is a little rough, so. Uh, it's a great time. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, we, we're not going to take this sideways already. But Oh, no. Amazing. <laughs> That's it. That's all the Star Trek talk. Done. Now, there'll be more, I'm sure. <laughs> all right. And then the, the other special guest. By the way, what makes it a special guest as opposed to just a guest? Well, because we have a virtual red carpet. Yes. Can you see it? Jesus. Our special guest. Special the guest. I don't Dax Coste. Just a guest. Upstate New York. Dax, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. You're you're kind of like a resident smartass. That's what we love about you. Uh, that's what I do. That's what you do. And you're good at it. You're really good at it. Oh, stop. <laughs> All right, I'll take it easy on you, then. It might get ugly later on. Ken, just just uh, Dax is here. Let's let's just say he's a guest. He's not a special guest. Harry's yes. a special guest. Okay. Um, <laughs> We'll have to come up with some definitions for that, well, then, we, I guess. We, we recently restarted. We kind of rebranded the show. We used to be Thank the Makers, and we left that name because we outgrew that name. We outgrew it. Um, or somebody else may have had the same name, one of those two. I mean, you know. Well, it does have a religious connotation, so. So, Harry, you're a Is lawyer. religion? Somebody had, well, it... it we do take Star Wars religiously. We do believe in it very strongly. But as a bishop, lawyer, very much so. There was another podcast that had the same name that started the week before we started uh -oh. a podcast. Remember, Ken? But yep. we came up with the name first, even though we didn't mm. actually do anything with it. Harry, what's the law say about that? Uh, were there any formal registrations of that name? <laughs> uh, I and, and are you selling merchandise anytime soon? T-shirts? <laughs> I think I sold Ken a... Um, I think I sold you a movie ticket. Did we go to the movies? A couple times. Yeah. So does that count? All right. Uh, I, I got to start billing for this, Anthony. Unfortunately, I got to put my time <laughs> right, tracker sheet on here. Six-minute increments, guys. Six-minute oh, increments. 
Hey, the conversation's over. Can't take the show. <laughs> so tonight's theme, the, the general theme of our, our big conversation tonight with the three, the trio of the forces behind Star Wars and our two special guests What's is this? connections. Connections within Star Wars, connections outside of Star Wars, the things that connect us together. Because way back, um, if we could jump into our, 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 our time machine, our DeLorean, and go back in time, in 1977, Alec Guinness, in that very first movie, was talking with this, this young guy named Luke Skywalker and explaining the Force and mentioned that it binds us all together. So that's really going to be our theme tonight of connections and what binds us together. So I'm very curious, gentlemen, what is it that, that brings you to Star Wars? What is it about Star Wars that, that really gets you excited or um, brings you joy or that you just have fun with? Do you guys mind if I go first? I have a story. Please. So when I when I got my job at Hasbro, um, one of the when I was it's funny because Dax is one of the few people that would know this story. So when I was young, um, we grew up in the Bronx. We, we mentioned that before the show, and we didn't have we didn't have much, right? It was a kind of crappy apartment, and we thought it was great, but it really wasn't. Um, so we went to see Star Wars. Dax may have gone with me. And when we got home, I had the, you know, all those figures that were out, my mother and father had bought them for me. So we went to the movie theater, came back, boom, there they were. Those are my favorite things of all time. And Dax and I grew up in, in, it wasn't great. It was the Bronx. And all that I saw. It was a small little apartment. <laughs> it was a small little apartment. There were rats and our cats fought with the rats. Um, all I really ever saw, though, was these Star Wars toys. So I couldn't tell you what the apartment looked like very much, but I can tell you that the you know my joy was in the Star Wars figures, and that really carried me, my imagination, uh, out of it. And when I got my job at Hasbro at the at the uh, interview with Kevin Mauer and Tom Mc, Tom McGrath, they asked me, "When did you come? You know, why do you want to be a toy designer?" And I said, "When I started." Uh, my career path down there it started when I had those action figures and I started crying in the interview and I started crying in the interview because I didn't realize until the interview and Dax you would know this how much money it would have cost my parents to put all that stuff together that they didn't have right so it was it just it, it, mean, it meant everything to me you know and, and it started in that year uh, with those action figures I remember that. I got the. What job. I also remember was I remember that we also had a video camera. Oh. And we made these action movies out of those figures. That's and right. I think. Why don't we see I those? I I might That's have a must. them. So Dax's father was a professional photographer and had a, a photography studio in Manhattan, so we borrowed a lot of his equipment. He, I totally forgot about that. Oh, yeah. We might have broken some, but it was good. We actually the made toys or the camera. Both. Sometimes you have to break <laughs> the toys. Sometimes you have to break the toys because it had to look battle scarred and all that jazz. <clears throat> I remember um, Darth Vader, the, the, the figure, had a lightsaber that would slide in and out. Yeah. And they're replacing that with a toothpick. <laughs> Vividly, because we broke it in an action fight. 
but just just for the record, I do remember that now. It was a red toothpick. His mother had. It the, was a red toothpick. It was a cocktail red, toothpick. It was holiday toothpicks. So we did. And those toys are coming back. We kept continuing. Yeah, but I mean yeah. that, that's one of the things that I think is important for us is, is that, and I feel sad for my kids because they don't really understand the whole thing bonding over toys. Like they were just these little ideas of characters and 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 make believe stories that are in really enshrining these little things that are in your imagination but it was it was something that really shaped our generation not just me um you know that we escaped whatever reality we were in whatever however good or bad it was and and lived our lives vicariously through these figures so then people like demetrius and i we wanted to work for that company you know we wanted to make work for hasbro kenner that made those toys and we did um, and hopefully we we made the world a better place by adding our Star Wars elements to it. Um, but I've talked enough. What about the rest of you guys? Oh, actually, let's, let's, drink too much. let's talk about that for a second. You mentioned playing with your toys. Um, Dax, you mentioned making videos with your toys. I don't know how many of you have watched the, the gallery of The Mandalorian, but um, Rodriguez, the one of the, the directors for season two of The Mandalorian, used his action figures to film animatics for the episode that he wanted to, to create for that show. So here we are in 2017, 18, 19, 20, whenever it was that they got ready to do that, he's playing with his toys, filming those toys, and that's the, 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 the basis of one of the episodes of The Mandalorian. So talk about the, you know, an incredible connection of what we enjoyed as children is still being done today, just at a, at a, at a different scale with different folks. I think he's the same age as well, us. That's the connection. Yeah, he is. He's like yeah. right around our age. Oh, is he really? Okay. Yeah, that's I mean, the connection. I think we've all played with those action figures. <laughs> that's and probably where it starts, right? I mean, for me, like my birthday is May 21st, and most of the movies launch uh, right around my birthday. And so the very first one, it was me and my dad and my brother. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is the only one of the Star Wars movies to ever actually showcase. Uh, premiere on my birthday and it was just like the greatest wow. eighth birthday a kid could have it was amazing right i thought it was like you know king shit on turd island as they say i, I felt like it was my day and um and, you know my parents probably similar to anthony like my parents were immigrants they came here to study they didn't have a lot of money uh my dad and my mom were both raised during world war ii like they did not spend money on toys right so the way i got my first star wars toys was when my mom and i would go grocery shopping and she'd like you know put one in the cart for me like my dad didn't know about this stuff i never had any of the good stuff i had a few figures I, ironically because my mom didn't buy me the big stuff i ended up with things that were obscure ended up being more valuable <laughs> Right, I've got these cool diecast things from the '70s and '80s that nobody had. Snaggletooth, um, who's gonna want that guy? You know. Right, exactly. I've got Snaggletooth. <laughs> I got, I got all these things. I probably have the Boba Fett with the shooting little pack in the back. Um, but you know, it, it, it having that sort of thing and being able to share those moments with my dad and my brother, which you know, my folks then divorced, and like so, those things didn't happen that much. But then it just sort of continued. 
you know, this journey into other things. And I know this is a Star Wars podcast, but like my birthday always fell around the blockbuster movie for Memorial Day weekend. So even into my like 20s and 30s, what are we doing? Well, we're taking Dimitri to the see the next whatever it was, uh, you know, uh, a Godzilla movie came out. It was like it, it always became like the blockbuster movie weekend for this guy. And that was kind of cool. It's like, so Star Wars makes me feel special, but then it has these other bonds with the toys and the, you know, everything. Uh, you know, you mentioned this, the, the, the Boba Fett with a jetpack. So about five years ago, uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Maurer, who was my first boss, he was a vice president at Hasbro. I'm over at his house in Rhode Island. And I hope he's not listening. I hope nobody that knows him is listening, but I got to do this. He goes, Anthony, come down here. We go down to his basement. He's got a whole shop. It's like a massive, like, him is the most talented person on the planet. And he shows me that he has the original Boba Fett inside uh, with, with the, the launcher. He has, I think he had two of them. He goes, this is how I'm going to put my kids through college. You know, and he had these things, like, in the little case. I'm like, holy shit, Kevin! Hey, well, look I, over I, there. <laughs> I don't know if I gave that away for Kevin. Sorry, I apologize, but he does have them in his basement, and I could give you the address if you know. But I mean, the magic of these old guys that touch the toys. So uh, you guys may have not, I know Ken and Anthony have already heard this thing, our new guys have not. Um, so yes, I had an internship at, at, it was still Kenner at the time. It became Hasbro. I did get to work on a small, very obscure Star Wars line. It was still one of the cooler experiences. But my first job out of college was working for a division of uh, Warner Brothers. And, you know, I get the job. It was my first job out of school, super excited. I'm working on like Mad Max things. I worked on Space Jam, believe it or not. But I decorated my office with all my toys, right? And I brought in things that I had as, from my childhood, one of which was my Tauntaun. So we ended up hiring a sculptor who was an old guy. And like at the time, I don't know, you guys may have experienced the same thing, but the old people that I work with, it felt weird because like they were my parents' age. So like early on, I called them Mr. This and Mr. That. Anyway, Mr. Geddes comes into my office and uh, he introduces himself. He looks at my shelf and he sees the Tauntaun. And he's like, you know, I, I sculpted that. I'm like, wait, wait, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, I, I worked there in 1979. I was working on this toy license and let me show you something. And he picks up the Tauntaun and he flips it upside down and he shows me in the fur underneath the tail, he had snuck in sculpting his last name. And I'm like, you've got to be effing kidding me. I've had this toy for almost 40 years. And the guy that sculpted it shows me this secret little Easter egg that I never would have known about. And that, like, did it. I just, he was a godsend. Steve, if you're listening, I still think the world of you. But he did call you an old guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he he's my dad's age. It's cool. My dad's old. He's cool. <laughs> and how about you, Harry? Talk about your connection, man. You know, for me, I, I'm a little younger uh, than you guys. I, I don't say that to I brag, but I, I, I know I'm not calling you guys old. No, no way. But uh, I, I just got to give you some context of where I'm coming from. I was born in 88. So for me, Star Wars really hit uh, with that second wave, kind of that second renaissance when the special editions were coming out in the lead up to Phantom Menace. And uh, so, Demetrius, some of your toys probably ended up on my shelf because I, you know, the power of the force figures and all, all the, the jacked up big, oh, you know, action figures. Well, for me, that was, those were my jam, you know, that's what I had. Although I have a complaint, there was a Han Solo and he had his Endor cape and jacket on and he would not fit in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. I was very upset about 
You could be that is Ben Torres. His name is Ben Torres. Who oh, I remember, I remember Ben. Yes, and very upset about he that. He was but... told about those things, and Ben, if you're out there, you didn't care. But uh, no, for but the the overall sense of uh, Star Wars at the time, I, I talked a little bit about it before we started recording. There was, it was Star Wars wasn't mainstream. I mean, it, I feel like it's much more mainstream now. You know, you have soccer moms watching Mandalorian like it's the next soap opera, and you know, and that's awesome. That's really really cool uh, that we can share this this small thing that was so uh, personal to us with the larger world, and that that it's okay now to to openly like these things without getting bullied or picked on. But I think, you know, growing up in that environment, you kind of get tied into, you, you get more of a, a sense of community with fellow fans because they're they're kind of keeping it on the down low maybe and, and not openly sharing their love of Star Wars. But once you find that one other person that has the passion that you do and you, you have that safe space, so to speak, to, to share your passion, um, that, that sort of community, I just remember being, you know, grade school, high school, and just really latching on to those other fans and and that sort of feeling get meeting somebody else who gets it that was the bind that was kind of the force in motion uh for me it's now to the point where you know you mentioned star wars as mainstream so you you know nerds used to like it now you've got folks who are going out and getting full sleeved tattooed yes. <laughs> so, so it is it is a, a, a an odd time to to, to to witness star wars where you do have that spectrum from soccer moms to biker dudes and everyone in between who, who enjoys some aspect of, of of star wars yeah and i think it's great in in the sense that you know you can talk about Boba Fett and give your your opinions and the backstory and the history and and there's other more, many more people out there that get it and, and that they want to share in that passion with you um, but I do just have like this weird nostalgia for the the smaller group and and that that you know maybe one or two other people that that know the history like you do that are as passionate about it as you do uh, that can talk to you about you know the Millennium Falcon ship designation class like you you can and, and you know I, I just kind of miss that feeling in that connection with uh, some some of my other you know fellow hardcore fans. Harry, do you remember this when we actually went to see the movie? It was a toss-up between Star Wars and Greece because they both came out at the same time. What? <laughs> and I remember distinctly that my older brother was like, no, let's go see Greece. Remember George? George is like, oh, I want to see Greece. He was always we like, no, we kind of want to see Star Wars. We, I mean, we want to see Star Wars. Yeah, that's an easy it's one. I mean, Greece certainly has the better song and dance numbers. But uh, I mean, so, but it, I, I it doesn't age well. If you see Greece now, it's terrible. Well, yeah. Star Wars lasts you another hundred and fifty years. Absolutely, I'm with you on that one. So my wife knows that I have a weird, I have an obsession with uh, Olivia Newton-John. So a couple of years ago, she bought me concert tickets to see her. Actually, I think we went twice. Oh my goodness! What? What? To find that other Olivia Newton-John fan out there. Just memorialize this for all you have to do on our podcast. No one needs to know that. I love Xanadu. What are you talking about? Ah, jeez, he's not stopping. What did you say about going sideways? Exactly. Let's bring it back. Let me make a point here. Xanadu 
is a goddamn masterpiece. Now you guys can say that it's not, but it's the same thing as people making fun of Star Wars. Xanadu is a is a is a is a fantasy. It's a musical fantasy, true, but it's also just escapism, right? You got the, you know, it's a fantasy. You, you're, you know, a painter in Los Angeles. These, you know, girls come down from you know Zeus's daughters. I mean, come on, give me a break. Our listeners have just entered the Xanadu podcast. Oh yeah, no, I cannot wait. I'm for just saying, final production of this I'm just one. saying, I think you guys, Dax especially, you know, it seems to be a little bit too personal against living. <laughs> anyway, I have a question for Harry. Um, Harry, so obviously you are the youngest one here, and you are making us all feel old. But, but, um, when. What's interesting about that is you're the first, you're the only one that I've ever spoken to that actually decided to ask the question. How does it feel getting into something that generations were already into it before you were even born? Isn't that? I mean, I don't even I don't know what that feels like. I guess it it makes me first of all it makes me defensive when people are angry about the special editions. Like I understand the changes <laughs> that were made uh, hurt some people, but. I, I feel like, you know, Star Wars does a really great job as a franchise of reinventing itself and making sure it's being reintroduced into the next generation. And I, I can't speak to the state of the franchise from, you know, the mid 80s to the early 90s. I'm not sure. My, my understanding is that it was fairly dormant, but, you the know, dark times. It, yeah. And, and <laughs> so I'm always grateful for that re-release because that's what brought me into it. And it, it seems like since then it just kind of like exploded maybe with an exception after uh the the revenge of the sith you know episode three and that that kind of gap there but um having it, it's great i mean I, I can't complain about having you know the movies at your fingertips by that point there were books uh there were video games toys i mean it, it was it was an awesome world um the only thing that i i probably don't have is the same level of nostalgia and appreciation as you guys do for like the original kenner line and some of the things that were coming out you know, as it was coming out, because to me, it's like, well, you know, I get that the, the lightsaber is sword in his arm. That's that's really cool. But like, look at my my Luke Skywalker. He's jacked, man. Like, that, that's awesome. <laughs> so. Well, I think you hit it on the head, Harry, like the the, the franchise just kind of keeps reinventing itself. Like, I remember when I was in, I don't know, one of my internships in college and uh, one of my bosses asked, like, what, what music do you listen to? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm into, like, Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. And he got a kick out of it because that was his generation. But, like, that was finite. I mean, Jimi Hendrix died in, what, like, 72 or something like that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, Star the Star Wars train will just always be going. And where you jump on or jump off doesn't matter. You're all just part of the club. It's not like you're into something like if I was into, you know, 1920s music, like that's pretty damn obscure. Star Wars is for everyone. Or and, and like you said, it's evergreen. You know, so it doesn't matter if you're 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 jumping on the, the train in 1978 or in 1998. You know, the 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 themes, the stories, the characters, they they they're they're everlasting. And so actually that, that brings us to a, another interesting question. And I don't know if I've ever asked Anthony and Demetrius this question, but which character character or characters do you uh, most closely relate to out of the whole, the, the whole galaxy, the whole Star Wars galaxy? Well, 
for for me, it's R2. I mean, I just, R2-D2 is, uh, he's got this sense of loyalty, bravery. I mean, for a character who doesn't have any speaking lines, um, I I just really enjoy every time he's on screen and, and feel like, oh, that I, I hope that I can be that uh, self selfless and and willing to help out and always have, he always has like the right tool for the job. Um, and I, I, you know, in my professional life, I'm like, oh man, I hope I can be that that person that somebody can rely on and, and just always have like the right thing to say, the right the right way to go about it. So I, I want to say R2, but as I get older, I feel like maybe I'm more of a C3PO because of the, the worry, worrying nature, making sure everybody's doing everything the right way. I am an attorney, so stickler for the rules, you know, so I don't know, one of those two droids. <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a kid, I used to daydream a lot actually but I, I used to daydream that if i had an r2 robot an r2 droid i would be the most coolest kid in class you know and i never really i just always thought you know and it was like fourth grade fifth grade if i showed up to school with an r2 droid people would just love me you know yes i was not the most popular kid in class but i always thought that i could be popular and i i, I don't know if i had a as odd as it may sound, I don't know if I have a, 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 a character that I enjoy the most. I think if I had to tell you which one I like the most, it's probably Anakin Skywalker. Um, because we, there's something about him that's really compelling, you know, and, and you can talk all about the acting and I, I don't think it matters. I think I understand him. I understand the idea that you love something so much that you're willing to do anything to sacrifice, uh, to do anything to, to, to protect it. Um, He's the most human of all the characters in Star Wars, I think. Him and Han Solo. But I relate more to Anakin um, just because of the dark side of it. Everybody understands what it's like to do something wrong um, and to have always wanted to do the right thing but went the wrong way. Um, and then maybe at some point wanting to correct it. And I think that's why I, I identify with him the most. And I, I think he, to me exemplify Star Wars because it really in a way it's just it, it's his arc in a way it's, it's him through the prequels and then it's Darth Vader and then it's his offspring and his sequels um so I, I identify with Anakin the most curious how about you Dax um I have to go with Han Solo I know that's easy low-hanging fruit but I gotta do Han Solo um he's a black sheep you know he's a a bad guy, but deep down, he's really good. Uh, you know, he doesn't really care about the force too much. Thinks it's mumbo jumbo. Uh, he's a nerd. I don't know. I just kind of identify more with Han Solo because he was always hustling, trying to get by, trying to do stuff. So I kind of identify being that me and Tony came from the Bronx. So I, I do see that connection that I have with Han Solo. I mean, so who's your big furry friend then? His brother. George. Oh, that would have to be my dog, Rusty. <laughs> but if you think about it, he's the only one that got the girl. But that's that's all I have to say about that. Oh, money got money and princesses. Money and princesses. Oh, man. That was his sister. Anakin got the girl, but he killed her. So I mean, not directly. Domestic abuse. No, it was direct. He, like, forced well, her. Yeah, it was domestic violence, and he broke her heart, right? All right, so so it's psychological it, and physical. No, it was abuse. I mean, it, it's it's. He killed all these younglings, and yet she still stayed with him. You know, if Anakin would have said, "You know what? Let's be together," she would have just been. She would have been together with him. She never said, 
you went too far, Annie. She never said anything like that. She's like, you know, she was still there. Well, plus she was in the same room when he beat the pulp out of someone who he thought fancied her. That was in one of the episodes of the the Clone Wars cartoon. She, oh, the, yeah, the other guy, yeah, I remember that one, the the, uh, the the other prince or whatever it was. Um, she, he came back from killing all of the the um, the Tusken Raiders. I killed all of them, the women and the children too. She didn't care. Oh, she made him a sandwich and said, "That's fine." It's fine. She asked him if he was okay. <laughs> when you think about it, she I'll really send is. Your stuff to the way. dry cleaner. Get that blood off. So, so, Anthony, I don't know if you're making a good case why you relate to this guy. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm, I'm keeping score over here too, going. I'm, I'm a little concerned. Well, you know how how many of us, who among us haven't hasn't lost their temper and killed a few people. <laughs> Uh, I'm Mike's, off the clock. We have, a, we, have a, we have a lawyer on the call. Like, yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> uh, I plead the fifth. What does it force choke somebody? Come on. Pass right, along my business card. Demetrius, I, I'm curious as to who meets uh, relates to. Well, it's funny because yeah, there's if I if okay if I have to be really literal with the question, who do I personally identify with? Because I, I I probably if other alternative would have gone with Harry because I really love the dynamic of R2-D2 and C-3PO together. Just the fact that like, I don't know, they they provide comic relief, sure, but like they always seem to be the ones that are grounded in reason. Um, but if I have to personally identify with someone, I think it's actually young Obi-Wan, right? I'm, like, there. I've known Anthony for 30 years. He's the entrepreneur. He always lives on the edge. I've always played it a little safer. And I think there's a, a, a wisdom that Obi-Wan has that, some of it he actually knows, some of it he just has to like play cool. Like I know this, but he doesn't really know this. He just learns it along the way and has to like act like he knows it because you know, he's got to train these underlings. I've mentored and managed lots of people uh, and play it kind of safe. And you know, it, it, and that's okay. I, I'm comfortable with that. But here's the cool thing. And this is Harry, maybe kind of back to your point. I wouldn't have known that if we didn't get to live with the franchise long enough to have movies that showed Obi-Wan younger and let you watch right. that arc of how he turned into who he did. So like, there's something for everyone to keep learning about these characters and to keep sort of falling in love with who they are um, and, and makes them more special. So you're, you're, you're admitting to relating to the guy who led to Anakin's downfall? His yeah, I poor... mean, you know. It, yeah. it happens. It happens. He has the high ground. Let him have that. <laughs> All right, Ken, how about you? And, well, so it's, it's changed over time. You know, so when I was younger, um, I was, when I say younger, I'm talking like a kid. I didn't want to be where I was. I always wanted to be somewhere else. Um, so I identified a lot with Luke Skywalker, this, you know, this kid who's always looking to the horizon, never on where he is, on what he's doing, that kind of guy. Over time, as I've been more exposed to the to Star Wars, I feel like I'm more closely aligned with Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. And, and I, I think I've told Anthony and Demetrius this story, but I'll tell the two of you this. When I was younger, I actually thought that I was named after Obi-Wan Kenobi. So my given name is Kenneth Bishop. And when I was a kid, they would call me Kenny. 
And in school, they would often call me, the teachers would say Kenny B. And I always thought they were saying Kenobi. So, so as, as, as a kid, I kind of had that Obi-Wan connection as well, That's just based on the, on the name. Oh, you just got yourself a new nickname. Sir. I know. I was going to say, how did we not <laughs> figure this one out before? Done. Um, and I do also agree with the idea of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi being an incredibly dynamic and flawed character. Um, and I mean this wholeheartedly and sincerely. I think he was partially responsible for the, the downfall of, of Anakin Skywalker. Thank through you his, very much. His, his reluctance to teach him, his... his um, shady teaching style. He made mistakes with Luke too. I mean, withholding information. Uh, it, it wasn't, there wasn't any kind of grand design there. It, it, it ultimately hurt Luke's progress. Yeah, in some ways, absolutely. Oh, oh my goodness. Point of view. <laughs> and see, and this, this piece right here is one of the things that I love so much about Star Wars and, and how it's grown and developed. Is So you start off with a single movie in 1977, we as kids play with the toys and make up stories in our backyard or film videos and we read some books and now here we are in, in 2021 and there's so much more that they've added to and um, expanded on that we we can never really get done with learning about these characters learning about what influenced them how they influenced others and it's 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 a beautiful ever-ending never-ending evergreen kind of thing some of the stuff that they're doing for the kenobi series i i uh, i've heard a little bit of the insights of, that they're doing and it, it's a really it's an exploration of of obi-wan kenobi exploring his failings and of actually really both of them it's really it's called obi-wan but it's really about both him and anakin um, and it's about exploring their relationship, how they failed and, and how they move forward. And I think it, it, it's interesting to me that over time, like you just said, we keep expanding the mythos and we keep expanding the mythos as we grow older, we add things that are more appropriate to us, a you know, regret of decisions made, uh, what could have been. Um, and it becomes a more complex story than it was originally, which is more of a, you know, a kind of a Western, you know, escapism sort of story. Um, what really is interesting to me about this discussion is the fact that this myth, the Star Wars myth, directly affects us, but it's also really no less a myth or a, 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 no less important to us than religion is to a lot of people. Somebody this morning asked me, completely out of the blue, did I know that, you know, the Jediism was a religion in Australia? And I said, yes, I, I did know that. Was it you? That was it you, Dax? That was me this morning. We were talking about this. That's right. It was you. <laughs> I just erased you from my mind, um, which I often do. But when it's you think okay. about it, how I is Jediism, you know, I am an atheist. It's just we, we get that out of the way. Uh, I was raised Catholic. How is the moral teachings and, and, and the, the, the lifestyle of what they're teaching in the movies any different than what the Jedi are teaching, right? Like, it's all made up. So if you're going to believe in something that helps you believe in a code that at least you identify with. And I grew up as a Catholic and, you know, guilt. Dax, you grew up as a Catholic, too. Uh, we both went to church. Yeah, but I'm, you're an atheist. I'm an agnostic. That's the difference between us. You just haven't made up your mind. yet. You're, you're shallow. So that's not my no, fault. No, I know there's something out there, but I just need more <laughs> proof. That's all it is. 
That's what it boils down to. That's all it is. Right, but we we choose we chose to leave behind our religion, and if we were to pick up religion, we would pick up something that we identify with. And the Jedi way, I'm not saying I am a Jedi, uh, Jedi religion, but the Jedi way seems to me to have more things that I identify with than Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, or any of those religions. My point exactly, which is what I'm saying. We can identify that because it's tangible to us. Catholicism isn't. That's what, 2,000 years ago, if you believe in that, you know, we don't see anybody on a cross crucified right now. Think about it. Next time Renee gets her SUV stuck in a pothole, let's see if Anthony can be like, pull that thing out. You ask for the impossible. Is this... See, this is a wonderful piece of how George Lucas took some of that real-world stuff, the, the, the various religions and so on, and sewed some of those teachings, sewed some of those things that people were familiar with into this larger story, into this different story, you know, this, this, this galaxy of that, that is Star Wars. You know, so whether you're talking about the the, the Buddhist religion or Catholicism, because I think um, I think George was raised Methodist, I believe. I could be wrong about that, um, but he tied it right in, you know, to to Star Wars. He he created this galaxy around, you know, and I know we've we've used the phrase before, and I'll just pepper it in here now. This lived-in universe, and that's one of the lived-in pieces. People can can watch that movie on screen and identify with it, even though this thing is set in a in a, in a galaxy far far away a long time ago. We also boiled it down to the essence of most religions, frankly. Like most religions, is like do good things, don't do bad things, right? Love your people and don't hurt people. But he didn't have to have a person or like an entity that you have to worship. There's no like Muhammad or Jesus or anything like that. It's just like this thing. Like yeah. if you just it, all of the good things are the thing, so you just worship that, which Anthony mm. apparently is doing. That's why it was great to see the character in Rogue One, and I'm, I'm sorry, I forget his name. I think it's Chirrut, um, who who was a he was not a Jedi, but he was a believer of the Force. Guardian right. of the Wills. Yes, and it was great to see that there are characters in this universe that that don't necessarily need to have the the midichlorians or the Jedi the, the Jedi powers to believe in this. I mean, he could fight like Wait, a. Wait, you're going on faith. Faith, confidence, you know, belief, absolutely. And that just brings up the idea that, the, you know, there's there's a lot of folks that can worship that same thing. So there's the Force, worshipped by the Jedi, worshipped by the Sith, also worshipped by the the, the, the the Night Sisters and the Guardians of the Will and so on. It's just it's just like religion here in, in, in our world. You know, there's, they say there's only one God, but there's so many different ways of interpreting it and describing it or her. Um, so it, once again, this idea of this outside connection, this real world connection that shows up, shows up in these movies. And what are some other things that, that you see in the movies? Like, I see where he got that. I see where George picked that up from. I think one of the things that I'm really, I have, to, I want to go back a little bit and then, and then ask you a question. I think one of the things that's always interesting about Star Wars is, is that it reflects humanity at all times, right? So really we see what we want to see in that. And one of the things I'm, I'm talking about, I, I created this, I helped create this thing called uh, Transformers Beast Wars. And I'm on Reddit, and I'm not trading for GameStop. And I see all these, there's all these groups of people that talk about Beast Wars, and they give it a meaning that's far deeper than anything that we ever developed. 
you know, so they, 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 it's way past that. And in a way, I almost feel that it belongs to them, even though I helped create it and I wrote the story, um, because they took it to that next level. And I wonder if George feels that way about Star Wars. I wonder if George feels that maybe he was the, you know, the, the spark, but now that we have it, uh, uh, does he feel that it no longer belongs to him? Because I mean, obviously at some point it, he must have felt that it belonged to him. But now with the Mandalorian, you have Favreau, you have Filoni, you have all these fans that have, I mean, really recently, I think Star Wars is more popular now than it's ever been. I wonder what Lucas feels, how much ownership he feels in Star Wars right now. And he doesn't do I mean, a lot of interviews. I, f- I mean, the fact that he's still alive and still involved helps, right? Because like I'm in the product development and brand space and it's no different than any other brand right the minute you start working on someone else's brand they've defined what it stands for and the look and feel and all this stuff and you start tinkering with that like you can stretch it to a certain extent and it it needs to be stretched but you go past the canon or you just blow it out to where it's not what it was or what it should be anymore and then the whole thing falls apart and i think the fact that you've got Luke is still involved enough and has people that have the guardrails to like push the boundaries, but still keep it feeling authentic. Like the soul of the brand of franchise is never, never questioned. It's yeah, just because look know, at what Filoni does. Manifestation. I mean, Filoni brings, you know, you talk about guardrails. Dave Filoni worked on, you know, Rebels and, and Clone Wars, worked very intimately with George for many, many years. And he often says, this is George's. You know, this idea of the Force, these characters were started with him, and he would often, even even in the, the last season of the, of the Mandalorian, would bring George on set and, and, and so on. Um, so I, I would say that George still feels, you know, some level of, of, of ownership to and I would hope, a, a level of pride knowing that these other folks are willing to hold it with as much reverence and respect as he did when he was sitting down writing it on paper in, in, in the late 70s. And the franchise is in an interesting spot now too, where they're still fleshing out the canon timeline after they jettisoned all the legend stuff. They're kind of picking and choosing, it seems like, what they want to bring back in and, and, and use. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just funny that, uh, that that's the state that we're in. But I, I wanted to answer Anthony's question about, you know, when did George maybe see that this is out of his control. I think when I listened to one of your other episodes, when they started making up backstories for Ice Cream Maker Guy, I think that's <laughs> when he said, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I have no control over this. This is yours. No, I think he played along with that one. I think he was, he was, because he was around when that one, when yeah, that yeah. one happened. I mean, still the, 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 but, and there's so many other random, you know, background folks that, that, that have those stories that, that we, we could do an entire, you know, series of episodes on those random folks. We were talking earlier that there really aren't a lot of shows that go into that level of, I want to know about the guy with the ice cream maker, right? Like, is it, you know, Harry, you just went through, I don't know, like 50 episodes of Star Trek. There are a lot of main characters and there's red shirts in the back. Have you ever, going through that, did you ever go, I want to know more about that guy in the red shirt in the background? No, not really. I mean, there's side characters that maybe become important later, but that's by CBS's choice, not necessarily like the fans. And I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that there are subreddits dedicated to that one random red shirt from that episode, but it just doesn't seem to hit the same level as Star Wars. 
And I think part of the reason is because the Star Wars characters always try to find some way to personify every single person that's on the screen, every single character. You know, what makes this character unique? Snaggletooth, you know, Hammerhead, you know. Uh, recently, they had a character on The Mandalorian. It was a, uh, God, I forget the name of it, but it was a professor something. It was like a, a praying mantis. What was it? Like, it Professor was, Mandible. Oh, it was one of those. It was in a barn. It was like a just giant insect. Giant praying oh, mantis, yeah. Professor something, right? And they're like, well, why is that guy a professor? You know, so well, I got to find out. Where's the comic series? I got to find out. I will pay for. I will pay money to find out why that guy is called a professor. There really is nothing else like this. So that's what makes it so exciting. Is, in a sense, we're all role playing every day. And as Harry and I were talking about earlier, it's no different than just following. You know, unfortunately, Dax is a Jets fan. It's un- it's the same as following like the New York Jets, right? You put on the jersey, you put on. I can't do anything about that. It's my team by location. I'm sorry, I can't do anything about that. Hey man, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I get it. I get it. It's just Eagles what here. happens. But do you guys watch wear? Out. Watch guys out for jerseys. Do you guys wear like Jets jerseys and Bengals jerseys? I don't wear. jerseys. I do. I'm not a jersey guy. I'll I'll wear a shirt though. Yeah. I wear jerseys. I wear, I got a hat. I got everything. But uh, going back to what Ken said about Thank it you, being more fleshed out, trying to bring it back, Ken. I'm trying to bring it back. And what Harry said, he said about fleshing out each character, he, he has ownership of it because he's the father of this. So all these movies and books and comic books, everything that you're seeing, He's the father of, so he feels a personal connection, getting back to what Ken said. This is the connection that he has with it. Now, by him fleshing out the ice cream guy, that's a little too much. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk about the retarded kid in the corner, but I digress. I can't use that word My thing is, it's, this is like a modern day Shakespeare. Because if you think about it, each character has their own story. There's drama, there's laughter, Jar Jar Binks. Don't, don't want to talk about him, but there's deception. There's almost incest. There's death. There's life. There's reborn. There's a change of heart. All this, if you think about it, was in Shakespeare. So that connection that they that each person has, we we find something in the character because it's human to us. We identify with each of those characters. We all know we're gonna die. We all know we can be good or bad. This is something that you have to decide what, you, what you're gonna do. You know, it's, it's just a choice that you have. Who you choose to be. Are you gonna be Darth Vader or are you gonna be Luke Skywalker? That's all it is. You know what's really interesting? Ken asked what my favorite character was. And I don't think I have... I mean, I like Anakin quite a bit. I like all the characters, but Anakin I like the most. If you were to ask me what I like the most about Star Wars, it would have changed dramatically over the years. And what I like the most about Star Wars is actually the political intrigue. Of all the things, Star Wars made the biggest prediction of the Trump presidency... Of, of any other form of media. The fact that the Emperor, maybe maybe the Emperor is my favorite character when I think about it. I can't really relate to him, but he might be my favorite character. 
his arc is the most interesting of all the arcs and it's the most realistic of all the arcs and it's something you can see in real life in real time and i think that is you know i, I know you know ken and i talked about the reflection of star wars in the, the vietnam times and anti-government and but damn they nailed lucas not they him he nailed that whole deception of government and false front to have a you know you have deceptive meet you know deceptive goals but you're saying this in public i mean how eerily accurate was the path of the emperor to real life you know that's what well, i just the most. it's just like lucas is distilling religion down i think he's you know an incredible student of history and 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 sociology to distill some of those things down to put it up on a screen um it's it's quite incredible when you think about i mean originally you know lucas had fashioned the the emperor out of nixon you know and as as time has gone on and as the the, the franchise has expanded i think anthony you know hits on a, an interesting point that we can see some of those other connections to to this stuff that shows up in a, in, in a movie happening in, in, the, in the world right now and in, in, in the world today which is also another reason why i think star wars is so evergreen and so so everlasting there's so many possible connections and ties to it if you were to go deeper into the emperor's story and what the emperor did to to, to wrestle control of the senate and all this it is eerie how close to real life that prediction was if you look at it as a prediction And yeah, and it was easy to watch the prequels at the time and be like, well, how does how does the entire galaxy just kind of go along with this and, and right. just like voluntarily just, you know, throw up their hands, you know, going from episode three to episode four, a, a republic to an empire and just say, yeah, we want to be ruled, you know, just just take it. And then you look around at what's going on today and it's like, well, maybe it's not that hard to, to rise to power and rule the masses. <laughs> what did Amidala say? This is how democracy dies, a thunderous applause? Thunderous applause. I mean, it, it really was. Of all the things that Lucas did, that probably was his greatest achievement, to predict human nature to the point where real life mirrored it 30, 40 years after he wrote those stories. Well, he was also reflecting back on, you know, like the fall of the the, the Roman Empire and so on. So, I mean, they, that what's that famous phrase? History repeats itself. You know, we haven't we haven't really learned from all the lessons of the past. We 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 tend to, as a as a as a humanity, you know, make some of these mistakes over and over and over again. Is that what Dex is saying? The, the Shakespearean nature of it is really a reflection of ourselves. That's the human nature of it. And this got philosophical real quick. Yeah. It's not usually so deep, but she's a lot more lifehearted. But it's good stuff. Ken, what <laughs> happens when you bring in the special guests? I know, I'm telling right? You. The special guest yeah. and the regular. It me. And the, just the regular old guest. It just acts. So, Ken, where are we? So, in the, you well, have a, a so, so you you bring up, you brought, uh, we've talked about religion in Star Wars. We've talked about politics in Star Wars. What are some other real life aspects that you would you have seen on screen 
like one of the things that I appreciate is this is going to sound overly simplistic and silly. I love the fact that they create these vehicles, you know, land speeders and so on, that even though they're fantastic on screen, I can, I can relate to driving a car around and I look at that thing on screen. I'm like, I would love to have one of those. I would love to have a land speeder to go out and do my grocery shopping, this convertible thing with, you know, three engines on the back and, and, and so on. So what are some other real life connections that you see in, in Star Wars? Where do we even start? I'm gonna give it to Dax. Dax, I'm gonna force you. It's philosophy. Mm. There's a connection. I mean, it's the way of the force. Do I want to be good? Do I want to be bad? It's it's deeper than you think. That's why I think we enjoy it all on different levels. You know, the face value. Oh my God, look at this. I mean, when you stop to think about it, when they're talking about, you know good and bad you're looking at the yin and the yang which is philosophy who are you is defined by the choices that you make do i choose to be good do i choose to be bad am i gonna be somebody in the middle am i gonna be han solo he doesn't go he doesn't care either way yeah, he doesn't care am i am i luke skywalker am oh, i even with, that, even with that idea of good and bad um good and bad is really a matter of perspective. So let's take, for instance, stealing. If I were to take something that wasn't mine, would you describe that as a good or a bad choice? That would be a bad choice, but that's a philosophical question. However, why would if, you take it? You, what if I told you that I was stealing it? this bread to keep my family alive? Like, that's, would it still be a good or a bad thing? No, because the point that you, the reason why you're stealing it is for a good purpose. It's not that you're being diabolically bad, that you're going to say, oh, I'm going to steal this bread just because he has it. I have a, I have bread at home, but I'm going to steal his so he doesn't have it. And you guys so are making life hard for the lawyer here. Don't forget. <laughs> Sweating. <laughs> I'm an attorney on the phone. <laughs> the law does not care if your family's hungry. Exactly. <laughs> Well, well, see, that's another interesting piece about it. I mean, the law is 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 made up by men. It's not a, a you know, it's not a, a a natural thing. We decide what's what's right and wrong. We decide what's you know, true. what's good or bad. It's the law of the land. One of the things that I like is not something that's in it, but something that's not. You notice that they don't have cell phones, personal communication devices. Not like Star Trek, where they all have a communicator. Like they can actually get away. And in a world where we're constantly tethered to our tech and in a world like theirs that's so fantastic and they can like go light speed and do this and that and kill people with laser swords, they don't have cell phones. And it's just magical. If they need to get away and be alone, they can do that. If they need to communicate with someone, they can find a way. Well, they don't actually, have this thing on their hip. They don't have these fancy screens. Like, yeah, okay, you know, there's a, the occasional holographic thing that pops out of somewhere. But I kind of love that they don't have cell phones. But they have force time. Remember in like The Last Jedi, a movie, by the way, Harry and Dax, that I hate. Oh, I've no. met many times. Yeah, you'll hear about it. They have just force stick time. with this so, podcast. So Ray can talk to Kylo, you know, to have force time. That's different. But that uh, Han can't do that. Han's got to go back to the ship. Well, I don't know, because Leia felt his, his presence when he was you know, She's a Jedi. stabbed to the chest and by, by their She's son. She's a Jedi. Han couldn't do that on his own. So if, they had a series, if they had a here's a day in the life of just regular ass people in Star Wars, would we would we care about that? 
No, because we watched the Christmas special, and it was exactly that. Oh. It, was ter- it, was, it was horrible, as you might say, you guys with your Jersey accent. It was horrible. It's horrible. Uh, I just got a headache. Can another one, I, I think, you know, we're getting more reliant on technology, and, and you see that in Star Wars with a lot of the, the droids kind of take over um, a lot of the day-to-day daily tasks. And, you know, I find myself, hey, Alexa, what's the weather? Hey, you know, hey, Google, hey, this, hey, that. And I think we're, we're s- slowly approaching that point. They're not quite as cool looking as R2-D2 no, as an astromech, <laughs> but we're getting there. Well, they got little ones that will vacuum your room. Yeah, yeah. And if you happen to get to a Black Spire Outpost, you can actually buy an Archie unit for $25,000. It drives itself. And I use that feature all of the time. Because why? I don't know. Because it can't. It's not that hard to drive, really, but it's sort of neat. So, Ken, we have, a, we have an itinerary. Are we, how are we doing on time? We're, I think we're doing really well with it, actually. And one other question that I would ask you is um, so, what has inspired you from Star Wars as a kid that you see still inspired by today as a as a as an older kid? Dax, you want to go first or? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm still thinking about that one. Mm. Um I I'll I'll jump off then uh as a kid, you know, I think you touched on it a little bit the the Luke Skywalker, the binary sunset, right? Looking off into the distance, dreaming uh, of what could be and you know kind of having the headstrong nature to go and follow through with those dreams even if you have adults or other people telling you you know you'll never be able to do it you can't hit that shot this and that just having the confidence in your abilities um, that's something that as an adult i think i moved away from and i wish that i had that more like that childlike spirit and and wonder about it i was actually lucky enough um so I'm going to pick up on your your your, your sunset um, thing. So as a kid, in addition to Star Wars, I was really fascinated by Australia, the country of Australia. And I wanted to go there so badly. I would read National Geographics and I went to Boy Scout camp one summer. There was an Australian counselor and I would just sit around the campfire and listen to him talk just because I thought his accent was cool. And in undergrad, I was lucky enough to go to Australia for an entire year. So for two full semesters, I studied in Australia. Wow. And this, um, one of my biggest life-changing moments, and I'm goosebumping right now thinking about it and talking about it, was to be out in the desert, the middle of the desert around Uluru, and seeing the sunrise, seeing the sunrise come up over the desert, and that was probably the closest to tattooing that I'll ever be. That's awesome. I mean, it was, it was just incredible. Like I said, I'm still goosebumpy right now, even though you. you know that was way back in 1996. Um, Damn. So this 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 connection to to things as a child that that stick with you, that vision of the desert and the sun of oh, just incredible, absolutely incredible. Dax, he got us. He got us. He got us. Well, the other thing that I remember from from being a kid is just us just playing hours upon hours upon hours with those action figures with the millennium falcon with everything that we had and we only had maybe about five five of those things we had chewbacca we had darth vader and just making movies and then looking at the movies that we made versus what he did i mean the thought of just 
you know, your imagination running free on, on how the hell did he connect all these dots to make this movie, to tell this story? I mean, if you think about it, you know, we were just enjoying his vision. And, and, and his vision it ours. became our reality. It became our reality. Because now we identify with everything that he said in that story. I mean, that's, that's the only thing. I, I mean, from being a kid to now is seeing the difference of, wow, this guy really nailed it. You know, actually living what he said. I agree with what you said. What, what surprises me, and I, and I think about this way more than I should, why isn't the word droid in our real life language? We don't really use the word droid at all. We got a cell phone. <laughs> that was about it. Well, yeah. yeah, you'd think that maybe that one would have kind of worked its way into our vernacular. Yeah, we still call them robots. We still call them robots. I, I don't know, but have you ever seen a droid in real life? So I was over at a um, Walmart the other day, and they actually have a droid that cleans the floor. And then there was also one that scans the shelves for their inventory. Are they not so robots? They've, okay. They've got this 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 automated thing that just scoots around the store, and uh, the, the the store that's close by went so far as to to tape a picture of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on the front. Um, and I don't know if they named it T2 or something like that, but they've, they've turned this automated robot droid thing uh, into something else. So there are droids in, in, in real life. So listen, it's time to wrap it up. It's time to yeah. wrap it up. I think this has been my favorite podcast so far. Ken, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you close this out. And um, we probably didn't hit all the milestones we wanted to talk about in this podcast because we, we tend to ramble all the time. Well, okay, I do. Um, Okay, can you close this thing out and, and well, thank our, guest, our special guest? Yeah, and that's a, that's a wonderful way of, of, of beginning that wrap-up. And it, I'd like to wrap it up just like we used to wrap up the, the original one, the idea of, of thanking the makers. So we definitely want to thank our, our special guests, Dax and, and Harry. And I, I hope that this is not the last time that, that, that or the only time that you join us. I can see you coming on in, in, in other later episodes. Um, and with that said... Who would you want to thank in the in in the of the, in the Star Wars universe or in in the world in general? Who would you thank if you had the opportunity to George thank George Lucas? Them? Okay, that's an easy one, George Lucas. I mean, if it wasn't for him coming up with this vision, we wouldn't be here right now talking about it. You wouldn't have that awesome hat that I'm envious of right now. <laughs> My bounty not hunter Tony's hat. hat. <laughs> yeah, not Tony's hat. Nobody likes that hat. Outside of outside of Lucas, I, I want to say thanks to uh, Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan, who were the screenwriters for uh, Empire Strikes Back, because I can't imagine what kind of task that would have been to try to continue this, the original Star Wars story when it was at the height of its popularity and do it in a way that, you know, everybody... The Empire Strikes Back is just considered such a such a great moment. It's on so many people's top uh, Star Wars film lists. So to, to continue that story and do it successfully, uh, I don't think they get enough credit for that. Uh, along with Lucas to work on that story, and uh, that's not easy. So that's that's my kudos to them. And I'm going to build off of that segue and say I would like to thank whoever it was that scheduled the Empire Strikes Back to actually come out on my birthday, because that was still amazing. <laughs> I, I I would like to thank really everyone who became part of this thing because Star Wars could have been a movie that just came out, it was ignored. But it I think 
we don't give enough credit to ourselves and i don't mean ourselves individually i mean the, the fans we built this thing up we built this thing up because it inspired us and we built this thing up because it made our world a better place it made our, a more interesting place so the, the the people that i'm going to thank are the people on this podcast people listening to this podcast and all the other podcasts that are out there and all the other fans and comic book writers and book writers and individual filmmakers and all of, all of the people that keep this thing alive, there was a time there when this thing could have died. And uh, it didn't die. It, it became bigger than it ever has been. And I think the future of Star Wars is brighter than it's ever been. You know, I have people now that, mostly because of The Mandalorian, Star Wars has always been, you know, mostly a male thing. Not only a male thing, but mostly a male thing. Thanks to the Mandalorian, there are more women that have gotten into the Star Wars train over the last two years than I've ever seen in Star Wars. My sister, my wife, my mother, you know, they're really making this about uh, everyone. And, it's, and it's, it's inclusive. A lot of people gave um, Kathleen Kennedy a lot of shit for, oh, he's a black stormtrooper. You got a Chinese girl there. You got a woman Jedi. That's beautiful. And I think that, that we have to thank ourselves and, and, and Star Wars has now become us and we've become Star Wars and Star Wars, it's reciprocal. And I think that the, George Lucas obviously started it, but we kept it going. So I'm gonna thank us. That's a great way of connecting us all, binding us all together. I really appreciate that, Anthony. Can't top that, so let's call it a night. Thank you listeners, thank you guests, and may the force be with you always.